Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our wrestling podcast. But I'm not going to introduce you today. Today, let me introduce you to the godfather of extreme, Paul Heyman. This ain't WCW. This ain't Monday Night Raw. This ain't SmackDown. This ain't even WWE. This, my friends, is EC. Welcome to the OWP. This is our wrestling podcast. This is Dave along with Jess. Hello. And cuz. Yeah. Bringing you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards, sharing opinions with you. And now on to our topic today. And there it is. There it is. That 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 is that is dangerously right. I mean, come on. I don't know. Actually, I was thinking about that whenever I was just setting up that sound clip. I don't know. That's probably a very valuable trivia question. Who the fuck is that? I have no idea. It's not Heyman. It's got to be Paul. It's got to be no Paul, way. Right? It doesn't even sound. I mean, I know the voice was distorted, but it doesn't even sound like him. Mm. Well, it'd be good. So one of our listeners may tell us one day. We'll find out. As always, you can reach us via Instagram at OWP2019, SoundCloud at Our Wrestling Podcast, YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel, or just do the easy thing. Download WrestlePost. It's an app at no charge to you, and join us along with other great podcasts of the day. I know we're getting more stuff on social media soon, guys, right? But this is where we are right now, so let's get into it. ECW, guys, what are we doing tonight? What is the deal? You know, this is to us, I, to me, I, I think it like was yesterday. Obviously, it wasn't like ECW went out of business in 2001 along with WCW and in, in short order. They were really close together um, when Vince bought WCW shortly after he bought the rights to ECW after that. And Paul Heyman actually was already doing commentary for them uh, when Lawler left for a while and Heyman yeah. took his place. So Heyman was actually under WWE commentator contract when ECW went under. So uh, it's kind of, to, to me, like I said, it, it was like yesterday, but obviously it's 2019 and they went out of business in 2001. So it was years and years uh. ago, but uh, they, they ended up influencing so much of what you see today and what a lot of today's wrestler does. And the word extreme became mainstream and beaten to death. You know, we got sick of it from here in WCW and WWF you know, used all the time. And then they had the hardcore championship. And then, you know, like that now that we have extreme rules matches and all that. And like, and then the failed ECW attempt, which we'll talk about later, but um, yeah, like ECW originally at its core influenced so much and they did influence the hardcore quote unquote, you know, era in for good or bad. Yeah. You know, I, I think there's a lot to be said about that. Let's try to get into the beginning of it because you know, we'll talk about that succession from Extreme. the NWA that happened in 94, right? And another item's coming up. What what brought about ECW? What was it that spawned ECW? What were people looking for, Jess? And because what, what happened where we were just yearning for something different? I think the rockin' 80s era was so big and 
Vince's attack on the territories and the collapse of the territories, that was the one of the negatives. I know a lot of people will say there are many negatives to Vince kind of attacking the territories and sort of putting everyone else out of business and, you know, ignoring the rules, breaking the lines, walking into territories, being like, I don't care. I'm not asking for your permission. I'm not under the NWA umbrella. I could give two shits. I'm walking right in with Hogan and my company, and we're going to fucking do business in your state. What are you going to do? And that was kind of, you know, it was good and bad. It's awesome to talk about because fucking Vince with his big old dick just swinging around and knocking walls down literally uh-huh. and figuratively. And, uh, and and it was just kind of, you know, when you look at it, though, it was bad at the time for the wrestling industry because once what goes up must come down. And even though Vince was like a bulldozer and put everybody else out of business or forced so-and-so to sell to so-and-so and then sell to so-and-so and then sell to so-and-so, which all that went on in like the late 80s and early 90s and kind of created this this just destruction with WWE standing. Now WWE starts to falter in like 91, 92, 93, they dramatically change. You know, what was young and fresh in the rock and eighties, those guys were getting quote unquote old and they were getting worn out and their characters were falling flat with people. And so it was hard. So now you have like, whereas before, if one particular big territory kind of started to fade out a little bit, there was a bunch of other territories that would, you could either, try to find them on television or you could go and drive to the next city or next territory and watch the wrestling. And it just kind of all took care of itself. But here now you have Vince standing all alone, basically with WCW and number two, but they were number two in money only because everybody knows the struggles they were having in the early nineties. And so it was kind of odd because the wrestling fan got sick and tired of these cartoon characters and these Quang the Ninjas and the the Trash Truck Men and, you know, all this. Vince just kind of kept that cartoon 80s vibe. He never changed. So in the early 90s, like 92, 93, people were just getting sick of this shit. And so that was pretty much that opening. That's kind of like what we see now. And you can argue, and I don't want to argue right now about whether AEW is doing a good job of it or not, but now there's an opening today. We're living through that opening of people being sick of that shit from WWE and them wanting something different. That's why New Japan's American influence is greater now. That's why, you know, uh, Ring of Honor did flare up years ago. Now they're sucking, but, you know, um, they're just... Well, this this is a better comparison, I think, to what we're seeing now, right? Everybody wants to try to compare AEW to WCW, and it's not the same this is actually more comparative to ecw even though the opportunity on ecw is cooperating with wwe quite a bit yes no and that's a very good point i know you're going to get into that too but like that's a very good point because paul Heyman's no dummy and neither was vince to be honest like vince was not capable as we'll talk about of kind of again he just kind of was clinging to what he knew making these cartoon characters all right right pal it's about families pal until it wasn't until it wasn't like overnight it wasn't people were just like nope done with this shit so, you know, we, we talk about kind of the inception, right? Doesn't this kind of start just where, I mean, WCW basically does drop NWA at a period of time, and then ECW kind of picks that up, but then eventually 94. they succeed as well, right, in 94? Yeah, it was like, you know, after Crockett bought, or sorry, excuse me, after Crockett sold their share to uh, uh, Turner, and it became WCW, they had no use for the NWA anymore. So the NWA kind of was just sort of like, they had a falling out with WCW 91, and they just went away for a bit. They wanted to come back after... um Crockett, they, he had a no compete clause in his contract, basically. So when he sold his share of the territories, uh, the Crockett promotions to Turner, it was in the contract that you can't go and work with another promotion or you can't start your own promotion or you can't do anything other than work with us if you choose to. 
um, for like four or five years, a basic no competes clause. But I think he had he had a contract with WCW at the time, and he was in and out of WCW working with them behind the scenes, even after he sold his Crockett shares to them. But then he eventually went away because he knew his no compete clause was coming up or ending. I should say it was ending. So he was able to, you know what? He, he saw the rubble. Like I just talked about. And I think he was like, okay, mm-hmm. we, we, there's there gotta be a piece of the pie, right? Vince is strong. And you know, the wrestling era is changing. The world's changing. The fan is changing. However, I can't touch WCW and WWF because they're just too big as far as WCW with the monetary backing and Vince just being Vince and doing what he did. He had a stranglehold on the American wrestling um, market. So he was like, well, I'm going to try to revitalize the NWA and I'm going to try to, you know, there was this promotion called Eastern Championship Wrestling. And so he wanted to join with Todd Gordon, who was the owner and creator of Eastern Championship Wrestling. And he wanted to partner with him and be like, hey, I'll kind of put the NWA on you so you'll have the NWA champion and tag team champions or whatever. And then any other little indie promotions that have kind of tried to risen, rise from the ashes of the late 80s and early 90s, we'll put them under the NWA umbrella. We'll kind of try to create the territory system again. Well, that went bad really fucking quick, but that is how it started to answer your question. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and basically, I think they, within a few years, are starting to realize that the NWA, I think uh, there's a quote that says um, the National Wrestling Alliance was old school when old school wasn't hip anymore. Um, Heyman says we wanted to set our mark. We wanted to break away from the pack. We wanted to let the world know that we weren't just some independent promotion. He was trying to make it more real, more more of what it, what he wanted it to be, you know, which was extreme. That was coming down the road. But I think there's a really good segue here. Uh, that we should talk about, you know, very briefly, I, I guess. But uh, what they were trying to do is, you know, have Shane Douglas, you know, against Tuchel Scorpio at a tournament finals. That was August 30th of 94. And they wanted him to throw down that championship as like an act of defiance. And they were going to move forward with the Damn ECW right. brand. You know, that's that's really where it all started. That kicked it off. I remember reading about go. that in magazines because I got Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And I remember reading, you know, that and showing the picture of Shane Douglas throwing the belt down. What spawned all that, too, was Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert, who was known for being part of the NWA before that. And he was a young booker. He was dating Missy Hyatt for a while, huh? Um, They might have even been married. Um, But Hot Stuff was always like this, I think... Behind the scenes, he had some demons and everything, and he died way too early. Uh, But he was pretty creative. A lot of people liked hot stuff. He worked really well with others and not so well with other people. So he decided to team with Todd Gordon when Todd Gordon was trying to do this whole thing with Eastern Championship Wrestling and bring the NWA back. Shortly after, Paul Heyman got fired from WCW. So uh, Gordon brought him in to be like head of creative. Hot Stuff ended up kind of either leaving or getting fired. Just some weird falling out happened there. And, and, you know, unfortunately, that was kind of the story of Hot Stuff. And then with Paul Heyman getting in Todd Gordon's ear going like, look like, you know, we we need to do things different. You want it. You want to just stay status quo and try to play games in the old territory system. I don't want to do that. Like I want we have to like make a splash. And that like what Dave said, that quote was basically Paul Heyman's feelings of like, look, you're trying to take this old school shit from the 70s and 80s and revitalize the early 90s wrestling fan, which is we don't even know what they are. But we do know that they don't like WCW and WWF and their cartoon bullshit. And so that's what Paul Heyman came up with was just like, we want to let so him, him, him and Gordon, they were working with the NWA and the whole thing was, yeah, they had this tournament and Scorpio was facing Douglas in the finals, the winner to become the new NWA 
ECW champion. That was the whole thing, you know, to kick it off. Well, behind the scenes, Gordon and Heyman were like making that plan. Like Dave just talked about, like, Hey, you know what? We got to break away from this old school shit. It's not hip anymore. So, you know, they brought Shane Douglas in and they're like, listen, we want you to fucking throw that belt down. And then you're going to declare yourself the new ECW champion. We're going to change it to extreme championship wrestling instead of Eastern. And then we're going to, you know, uh, go make our own mark. We're going to blaze our own trail. We're going to be different. We're going to be extreme. We're going to be edgy. We're going to be gritty. We're going to use language. We're going to do a lot of shit that a lot of the other two companies won't do. And we're going to try to attract that fan. We're going to really see how sick everybody is of mm-hmm. WWF and WCW. They found out. Yep. Yeah. They're, they're, and you know, it's funny yeah, because sorry, they didn't. Good. Oh, Douglas. Uh, apparently, like, Gordon and Heyman, like, had been planning that for a few days. And then Douglas didn't know until that night. And then uh, Douglas even tells a story that he said uh, his dad hit, had died, like, the year before. His dad was a World War II vet. And, and he was telling Douglas, you know what separates, you know, the scientists and the warriors and the pro athletes of the world from everyone else? They all took risks. So he said when he paused before he before he says, I don't know if you remember that, Jess, where he says, this is it, dad. That's where yeah. he was kind of actually thinking, should I do this? Should I say this right here, right now? And then he's all, this is for you, dad. Like, that's what him taking that risk, taking those uh, words of encouragement from his dad. Yeah, and I can't remember how he led that. into it. He he did this whole cool thing, too, about like, you know, I look at this belt and he was looking the at the new title. And-, and I think of the flares, which Douglas was yeah. very vocal about not liking flair. And um, he said the real nature boys, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like, and, uh, you know, the steamboats and the funks and all this stuff or whatever. And he was like, God, it's beautiful. And I, I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember what he said. And I think he just threw it on the ground and said, that doesn't mean shit or that doesn't mean crap anymore. And that's when he was like, this title, the ECW title. And again, I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember the actual speech. I'm I'm sure we will put a clip in um, where he pretty much well, just said, yeah. from now on, we're extreme championship wrestling. And this is the real heavyweight title. And that's st- that shit's old. Yeah. It doesn't cut it anymore. And we're not referencing that. And that, you know, obviously, they had a pretty hardcore split from NWA at that point. Wait a second. I'm Kerry Von Erich. I'm the fat man himself, Dusty Rhodes. This is it tonight, Dad. God, that's beautiful. And Rick Steamboat. And they can all kiss. He says, this is tonight, Dad. And then, like, he throws the the belt down. He's like, I don't want to be a champion of, like, a dead promotion that died seven years ago. And then he raised up the Eastern Championship Wrestling, you know, title and said that this is now the World Heavyweight Champion. And then he said he even looked at uh, Dennis Carrazzo. And he was looking at them, and they were kind of looking at him. And Todd Gordon said Dennis Carrazzo was kind of, like, biting his nails. He's like, he's pissing on the belt. And and Todd Gordon's like, no, he's not. Just watch. It's part of the angle. He's like, no, no, he's pissing on the belt. He's like, no, 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 he's not. Check it out. And they even, it was legit when when Dennis Carrazzo said, uh, despite, you know, what Shane Douglas has said that, you know, he's the Eastern Championship Wrestling, he is the NWA champion. Yeah, you, you yeah, that's right. That was they all fucking, legit. It was so was awkward. Legit. Yeah, it was so awkward that even after it happened, the NWA was like, well, that was great. he'll be NWA champion whether he likes it or not. God damn it. It's like, no, don't you get what just happened? Todd Gordon, no, they Todd told Gordon you to go fuck you. yourself. You yeah. Today, I have folded NWA Eastern Championship Wrestling. In its place will be ECW, Extreme Championship Wrestling. He, yeah, they, that's they where the there, there is a quote. Uh, there's a quote that Gordon actually made after that. Is I listened with the representatives of the board. You know, yes. he's like, well, as of today, that was legit. <laughs> as of noon, as of noon today, I have folded 
NWA Eastern Championship Wrestling, and its place will be ECW Extreme Championship. So, yeah, they had this plan of not only doing that outside, but business-wise, they knew, well, yeah. EC Eastern Championship Wrestling was under your umbrella, but not Extreme. So, fuck you. Eastern's dead. And yes. here comes, like, they were fucking ready, and this fucking NWA guy was still like, well... Damn it, Douglas, you're gonna take the NWA belt and like it. Like it's like, no, you dumb yeah. shit. Like they just shit all this over is, you. Because he they, was legitimately upset. That's what was Yeah, he was bad, super pissed about it. It was a legit shoot promo. <laughs> he knew right well, then, like, the, well, what's Scorpio doing? Well, Scorpio's wrestling for East, e- extreme championship wrestling now. Well shit. Like I don't ah fuck, I don't have any champion. Like, but it was amazing. Like it was just kind of like yeah. crazy how it was all like gunslinger back then. Look at what Vince did. Well, you know, he fucking nukes the planet. Yeah. 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 yeah, there's there's two things that really that really push this particular fran- in the franchise or a wrestling community in, into into the front line. And this is one of them. Right. This is the stuff that's going to turn people's heads going. What the hell do they just do with the NWA stuff? Are you kidding me? And then we get into that television syndication that Heyman was able to produce for basically seven years from 94 to 2001. Um, he's able to produce ECW hardcore television, right? Um, the bulk of those shows were of those shows were at the ECW arena, and it was just a warehouse, right? Um, some people called it the bingo hall, right? They, they make fun of it all the time. You know, it's just it's nothing big, nothing nothing fancy, just a small hall. You know, folding chairs and you know portable bleachers and. You know, just a very, you know, just a very gritty style of a promotion, which kind of like what we're seeing right now with power, right? It's power is a lot cleaner. Don't get me wrong, but it is that small conventional, you know, anything could happen kind of storyline. Right. And that that television where they could air it was always just crammed. Right. It was it was it was always so many viewers for the small little, you know, nothingness. Um that that syndication, I think, was really big for Heyman and ECW to really take off. What do you guys think? The the Philadelphia market, you know, like Chicago and like a couple of others like that, were always yeah, they were super bro. rabid. Yeah, and they were very vocal. And even when WWF started having Raw in the Manhattan Center, the Hulk Hogan only appeared, I think, like once or twice, and I think once on a live Raw before he left after that. Um, but like they didn't give him the reception that they thought. And then like a week later, a week before King of the Ring, when Yoko fought Hulk for the title, um, Yoko was doing an interview and the crowd was noticeably chanting Hogan sucks very loud. And you knew then like, oh shit, like New York's different. Chicago's different. Philly's different. Like these, these hotspots, those Eastern, like Eastern states, like they were super serious and hot about their pro wrestling. And if you were a little too goody two shoes and a little too shitty, or you were giving the impression that you were shoving something down their throat, they would let you know about it. And ECW, Paul Heyman was a genius. He knew, I don't think he knew how big it would ever get, like how rabid they would get, but he knew like, if I'm going to do it, I got to do it based out of Philly. You know, it was easier for Paul because he was based out of there. But like, he was like, I got to do it out of here. This audience will let me know right away whether this is cool or not cool. And I think Paul Heyman knew nobody else likes that other bubblegum shit they're doing. So I got to listen to this hardcore audience and see where they take me. And again, like I said, they sure found out, you know, it was just sort of like right away. They were just like, uh, when they would hear, you know, you fucked up chance, Paul would embrace it. And he would let him tell the talent, let him tell you that you fucked up. Like, and it was kind of so organic, but then he would take that and mold it and use it. And I mean, just so many things, because I know we can't talk about everything, but all that match where uh, I think it was funk against dreamer and someone else, or I could be wrong. It was funk and someone where they threw all the chairs in the ring. 
you know, like that's a. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Funkin' Foley. It was like a famous thing, and and I, I know I, I don't know when you're going to come in with some of this, Dave. But yeah, like that TV was like super famous. I will be honest. I had that massive satellite dish that I've talked about in past episodes. So I got East Coast channels, and so I was able to watch ECW. And I will admit, from like '94, '95, and '96, I didn't get it. To me, it was. It was too gritty for me. I was spoiled. I grew up on the WWF and WCW and mainly WWF. Big lights. Big lights, full stadiums, clean. bright lights. Everything was, you know, spelled out for you. And, you know, I, I, di- I didn't know that I was getting sick of WCW and WWF, but I was. But when I first watched CCW, I, I'm not going to lie and say I was some fan. Because, you know, all those fans that will tell you how passionate they are about being involved in ECW. You really felt like you were involved in the family, especially when you went live. But if you supported them, even if you were able to watch them from a different state you were like part of like this like family like this it, not cult because it wasn't like a cult it kind of was though like it was like a weird cult like fuck the rest of wrestling if you, you know you guys are fucking softies we're not we this is what we want god damn it and we want <laughs> the simulation of violence and we want this and we want that and hangman was like the he was like the charles manson he was like the ringleader and it was just you you followed it i didn't you know i didn't really start getting into them until like 97 98 99 when i realized how much talent wwf and wwe in the middle of the monday night wars were draining from them then of course they were on pay-per-view at that time wcw was and i was able to get them a little easier um later on we'll talk about they went to tnn and i was able to watch them then and so like yeah it was just kind of i will admit first off i'm not even going to try to claim that fame right to me as a wrestling fan i'm very protective of wrestling and and i'm very protective of where you grew up in and who you liked and what promotion you followed i just happened to get born into the wwf when i first started i will not take that thunder away from those fans because i do believe that if you were part of that ecw click in like 94 95 when they got hot and they were telling the wrestling audience fuck everybody else we're fucking hardcore we're gonna fucking do this and you come along with us man and i i can't claim to be a part of that right that wouldn't be fair i'll be dead honest i didn't get it and i got it later but i i was not on the ground level of that i will be honest i i tried to get into that tv program the syndicated show that dave was talking about i just didn't care for it because i was growing up on something else i wised up later but you know it took me a while yeah and and, and the people that were in it knee deep um, and, and more, they were a part of something really special, man. I mean, I'm telling you, I mean, I, I kind of compare it. I, I know it's not the same thing. I think ECW is on, on another plane, but when, when we were a part of PWG for many, uh, many events, Jess, where you went and you literally paid 20 bucks and you sat in a folded chair and you probably got some wrestling sweat on you. You were that close to it. And you were literally in bingo halls. You were in Elks lodges. There was probably, it probably seated 200 people, but I'm telling you, we saw three or four people, at least that I remember come out and become major wrestlers on the scene. Uh, you know, I think Kevin Owens is an example. Um, oh gosh. Sammy Zane. They're looting me now, but uh, Dre Ryan's an example, right? And when you're a part of something like that on that ground level and you see it take off, I mean, you know, you're a part of something big and PWG, I think was that for us at that time. I mean, uh, ring of honor was that for a lot of people, Brian Danielson, yes, uh, sure. Samoa oh, Joe, yeah. you know, Punk, um, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Styles CM Punk, Tyler Black, AKA Seth Rollins. Yeah. CM Punk. And like all those guys were like that core uh, Christopher Daniels, Kazarian, Daniels, like, yes. yeah. 
Sami Zayn and PWG. Kazarian, right? Scorpio mean, Sky, yeah. Scorpio Sky, like, you know, Scott Lost, um, you know, Human Tornado. They were all like just oh, this. I that guy. <laughs> they, uh, they were all like this, this groundswell of later, like the mid 2000s, you know, late 2000s. Yeah, they like, were the, they were the second. Yeah, swell the, you know, of like bullshit. that. So, yeah, yeah. you know, and this was the 94 to, not, to 2000. Pr- production's great, right? Production's great. And having people on Jay Leno or David Letterman's great. Yeah. And, you know, that's all great and everything. But wrestling at its at its core is sitting on a steel chair and letting two people tell you or four people or whatever, if it's a six man tag team, whatever, um, tell you a story. That is pro wrestling. That's what I liked, even though I first got hooked on this massive production monster, the WWF. I still always enjoyed that when I would go to live shows that, you know, now they try to even make live show have lights and they do bring a big screen when they go to live shows, not as big as a Titan Tron on raw, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, they try to do it up a little bit more. I mean, when I went to house shows, you know, Dave, you went to a couple with me and stuff and uh, I can't remember if you did cause, but well, you went to the rent, uh, the quake stadium, the storm stadium. But when I go yeah. to the LA sports arena, you know, it was all dark and it was just the black curtain they came out of. And they didn't have the WWF yeah. logo in the house shows. It was just like banners above the ring, and that was it. <clears throat> and it was that that was it. Nothing. The apron didn't even say anything. You know, it was, it was so like bare bones. And I loved it. I loved that gritty feel because all you had to do was watch the two people or four people or six people in the ring. You had no choice. You it, there was no three minute entrance with fireworks and lights yeah. and you know graphics. There was none of that shit. And so it's just kind of. You know, no, no promos inside the ring. No, you know, dumb shit in backstage where the camera just happens to be there, you know, or any, with 19 different camera angles like they planned it. You know, like there was none of that stuff. And, you know, so I I do. I love those people that can say that ECW saved them because, you know, we, we're going to talk about dirt sheets, too, in a later episode. We always fight off uh, Mike about dirt sheets. But, you know, <laughs> where the Wrestling Observer, the joke is that Mel, if it's not Japan, Meltzer hates it because he loves New Japan wrestling. He's loved New Japan wrestling for years. Um, but it, there's another opinion. big well-known site called Pro Wrestling Insider where Dave Scherer and Mike yes. Johnson, they grew up um, on the East Coast. They were ready to throw in the towel. And then this little promotion called ECW came along and it's Mike Johnson has said on more than one occasion, if it hadn't been for ECW, I would have stopped watching pro wrestling altogether. And I'm dead serious. I wouldn't have existed. at this Yeah. Point. I, I was sick saying. of the bubblegum shit. I was tired of it. It was just, it was a phase I went through as a young kid and I outgrew it. I was done. And then this promotion came along and it was extreme and it was this and it saved him. And now they're running their own wrestling site, which, you know, is second to wrestling observer, but it's up there. You know, they, they're, well known yeah. and like he they, they would have well, left pwi has been around for a while I mean, yeah well yeah. they were a part of like other another big uh wrestling dirt sheet too and they started their own they went they started pwi like 10 or 15 years ago um but yeah, yeah like they both have said if it had not been for ecw we would have been gone we would not be watching wrestling anymore yeah i think that's that's saying something and, and what's even more interesting about this and i know you want to get to matches i'm just trying to get to the um the interesting little nuances that people will probably know now but they didn't know then and that's what made it so special um Paul Heyman does a lot of cross promotion without you knowing that there's going to be a cross promotion. He uses cross promotion to create, you know, controversy. Some examples, right? Uh, what when we're looking at, uh, you know, in I think it was '96. Well, yeah, even September. real quick before that, the famous yeah, one, sure. uh, King of the Ring 1995, the one where King Mabel won, widely regarded as yes. one of WWF's worst pay per views ever, was known because it was in Philly. And people were so pissed with the fucking product that WWE was putting out in the ring that they loudly started chanting ECW, ECW several times. 
and some ECW wrestlers were all in the crowd as well. Of course, Vince allowed it, but nobody knew back then because yes. they came. He didn't to even Philly. know who they were, man. Yeah, Paul Heyman was always smart. Even back then in 94, 95, he was talking with Vince. You know, it was more public when Smoky Mountain was working with Vince. You know, that's always been talked about. Uh, you know, but sure. no, but a lot of people up until, you know, when they appeared on raw in 97 which i know we'll talk about ecw then obviously it was the cat was kind of out of the bag but back here in like 95 96 that organic moment in king of the ring 95 when people started chanting ecw and the camera would accidentally catch a glimpse of an ecw star that was all by design vince didn't know how to deal with that crowd but he knew i have to let paul Heyman in i mean what's it gonna hurt and i think that was the point. point Yeah, and as it came, I knew that he would need that extra. He need that extra oom to to keep going and to sustain. So if you can't beat him, join him. He was never interested in competing with WWE or WWF at that time, right? So in '96, September of '96, that's where actually uh, you see some involvement with the Sandman, Tommy Dreamer, Paul Heyman, Taz are all in the front row now. Um, and Sandman even interferes with a match with Savio Vega and Bradshaw, that strap match. He throws a beer on Savio Vega. Yes. And they wanted to once again. And that's where people WCW go, holy shit, what's going talent, on? Or they had their old talent. They wanted to find new talent and wanted to give some of these guys a chance. And I believe Bruce put it together. And, but, you know, that was the thing where Paul was in on it from the start and was fostering the idea. And. If you're Obviously, do that's it, all do planned. But uh, when you while see it, you're like, that's fucking genius, right? Those are the kind of things that you're like, okay, um, th- what, el- what else could they possibly do? I don't know, but I'm going to keep watching. And I think it's probably, I think to Jess's point, this is one of the smartest things Vince did at that time. Is like, well, what could it hurt? I, I might as well give it a shot. And obviously, it it paid off in dividends on both sides because you didn't know where ECW was going to come. They were extreme. They might stop by somewhere else. You know, who knows? Well, and, and WCW was even before the NWO formed. Bischoff was putting pressure on him uh, by getting yeah. Hulk and Macho Man and competing on a national level. And you know, Absolutely. then they started bef- bringing the cruiserweights in, stealing from ECW. WCW did. <laughs> So I think at that point, Paul Heyman knew, well, if I'm going to get robbed by a company, WCW, that is not in bed with me, then I need to go to the other company quickly to kind of get some exposure on his side and get one of them on my side. And that's when it just became convenient um, for him to go to Vince and WWF. You know, yeah. and for the record, no, so many people, even today, even a particular promotion that starts with an A ends with a W today, will go out of their way to say we're going to be an alternative to the WWF or WWE or whatever they were called at the time. And can I say every other promotion that I've seen has been full of shit when they have said that, and they've just used that as a tagline to try to get people to watch them. ECW and Paul Heyman were the only company that I can honestly say were dead serious about being an alternative. They were not interested in competing with Vince on a production level or a star level. They, he knew that I'm only going to get a piece of the pie if I do that. However, if I make my own pie, even if it's noticeably smaller than Vince's national footprint, if I can make my hardcore pie, I'm, it'll grow. It'll grow. It may. It will never be as big as the other two. He wasn't trying for that. He was the only guy that legitly wanted just, I want to be an actual alternative because I think what you do sucks. So I don't ever want to get to your I level. Agree. Even if I get big, I don't ever want to be what you are because you suck. 
I'll use your money. I'll use your TV time if you want to let me. But we are extreme and we are different and we are an alternative. And that's, God damn it, that's what we're going to live and die on. He's the only guy that has done it. Everybody else has said it or tried to use it as fancy language. Everybody else. WCW did that shit for a while. Oh, we're just going to be an alternative. No, you're not. You're going to eventually try to copy him because that's all you know how to do. Because it is too tempting. I understand that fruit. You want to pick it. It's ripe. Let's get it. But don't. Paul Heyman was the only guy that said, like, fuck it. I want my own audience. I don't want yours. You suck. You suck. That's why I don't work for you guys anymore because you suck. You never listen to me anyway. So I'm going to make my own shit. And chanted the three letters that demonstrate to the world that they appreciate the fact that there is a form of sports entertainment that strives to give you your dollar's worth. On a Major League Baseball, we all know that. And it ain't the greedy bastards at the NHL. We know it ain't them either. No, it's the wrestlers of ECW. But the fact of the matter was, as the fans stood in unison and chanted those three letters, that's why I always say AWE like this is about ECW, and I agree with your points on that. Yeah, they're you're never going to compete. It's it's it is literally trying to punch a mountain into sand, and you're like, good luck with that. So, but Dave, can you do like a brief mention on some yeah. some of the names that probably a lot of people forgot that have actually wrestled in ECW a little bit before this Raw time, you know, when they were cross-promoting with Raw. Guys like King Kong Bundy, fucking uh, 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 Animal, fucking Road Warrior Animal. Yeah. Uh, the Steiner Brothers. Guys that, the Steiner Brothers, of course. Uh, Foley. Mr. Hughes. All these, all these names that wrestled you know, one-off appearances or maybe a few appearances here. J- j- just notable names that probably people don't remember. But it- it's just fucking funny to look back. and, and Fully, back and fully in 94, 95. Austin. Of course. Yeah. Austin. Yeah. Austin. What? Austin, the greatest of all time. Yeah. That's where, well, we, we've we've made that. Well, and Cuz said Austin. something oh, before. So that's where he developed himself. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> before we started this episode, Cuz actually said, <laughs> you know, I hope this episode goes well because I really want to open the door because you talk about WWE mainly and then WCW secondary, but I would love to talk more about ECW and like, you know, do a legacy yes. of, you know, so-and-so from ECW. And, you know, there's yes. so much meat on the bone uh, to quote Conrad Thompson um, on that. And I think it's totally true. I think that we're just, get, we're trying to cover just the essence and what ECW meant right now. We are going to get way more detailed in the future about matches and feuds yeah. and you can just talk about or, or second or chances. I mean, they were the land of the second chances, man. Like, yeah. you know, Shane Douglas, uh, you know, was in the early nineties and the late eighties dynamic dudes. And then went to WWF and floundered as just good old good guy, Shane Douglas and 91. And then went back to WCW and was tag partners I, I, with steamboat and was again, good old face Shane Douglas. And you know, he cut his, he goes to ECW and cuts his hair short. And Paul's like, yeah, he has him throw the belt down. And then he's like, what else do you got to say? Well, he's all, I hate that piece of shit. Ric Flair. Well, tell us why for real on the microphone while you hate him. Because I think Flair's a liar. I think he's a smoozer and a piece of shit. Well, go out and tell the people. And he did. And that was what the genius of Paul Heyman. He's like, why are, why are you know, Vince mowed down walls when he mowed down all the, the territories. Why are we adhering to walls? Knock that fucking wall down. Why do you hate Ric Flair? Well, I, I when I was young, I went up to him in the locker room and I told him you know, what I thought of him, how great he was. And he was my favorite wrestler and all that stuff. And, and, you know, I really wanted him and I really wanted to believe that he nurtured young people, but he didn't. You know, at one time, uh, Shane Douglas, this is a side tangent, but uh, I'm probably going to get it wrong, but I, I think I'll get the gist of it right. He went back and 
Flair was just yesing him to death. Oh yeah, kid, you know, keep your nose down, do what you're doing right now. And I think Flair was Booker at the time. And Douglas is like, yeah, you know, let me know what you think of my crossbody. I want to use a crossbody off the top rope for my finisher. So like a couple times, like he would use it and Flair would be like, oh, spot on kid, spot on. And then one time he went up to Flair before a show and he said, hey, really, I, I've really perfected it. I want you to watch my crossbody to off the top rope tonight. And I want you to really give me feedback because he felt that Flair was kind of being dishonest. And uh, so he went out there and purposely did not do the crossbody off the top rope. And he went back and he's like, Flair, what'd you think of my crossbody off the top rope? Oh, spot on, kid. It was awesome. I saw it and I was like, that guy's got it. (laughs) And he said after that point, he was like, you're a piece of shit liar. I hate you. And like, you're everything that's wrong with this industry. You're holding people down by lying to them. Young people will come to you and look for you to guidance. And you're a booker. So you have that responsibility and fuck you if you don't. And so he started resenting. Then he started watching Flair closer with a different lens, with a different pair of glasses on. Then he started watching the other higher ups like that would just stifle young people and old guys that didn't know they were old and should get out of the way. Pay attention. So the guy that I was paying attention to was him because that was the guy that I had hoped to be like one day. And uh, when I see him pulling his penis out in a bar full of kids, uh, you know, running up and down a hallway uh, like some fraternity boy at 46 years old, the world heavyweight champion uh, that represents a company. Uh, I felt, even as a kid then, I didn't know what the hell I was doing one way or the other. I knew I didn't want anybody looking at him doing those type of idiotic, absurd, obscene things, looking so, at me and thinking, well, so he's a So what you're saying is Shane Douglas smartened so, up because yes, that shit happens that all the time. Yeah, right? and, and he got this outlet, this ECW promotion, and this Paul Heyman and Todd Gordon wised up and said, you know, let's we'll let you knock down those walls. Why are we adhering to these walls and these rules? Let's do it. So he was able to go out there and yeah. be like, Flair's a piece of shit. I, I believe he actually said those words on the mic. Flair's a piece of shit. I hate him. And like, it was like, Whoa, like, what the fuck? Like when you would hear Shane Douglas's promos, you're like, who is watching this guy? He's just saying this stuff. Like, but it was all Paul Heyman. Yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll never deny that's how Shane felt. I mean, that's obviously what happened, but I you have to understand this. that I got Flair, Flair, Flair went through that same. Of shit. course. Of course. You know, it, it's, yeah. a, it's a vicious circle for sure. Of course. You know, sure. I wasn't trying to bash ahead, Flair there, but you know, it's okay. You're, you're not going to apologize after I say this, but you got, I got to do this. I mean, can you imagine Hogan going to ECW and wrapping his beer can penis in barbed wire and dropping off the fucking la- top of the ladder with a penis drop onto his opponent down below? That would have changed. That, that would have changed wrestling. Anything? That would have changed no, wrestling. But we just got. Hey, we got to interject a Hogan beer can penis fucking <laughs> joke or comment on your. So I just decided. Why? To do it right there. <laughs> well, just James legitimately like why? he's not even mad. He was like, hurts, but I'm gonna drop it. In it here. was really. This was really fucking good. He's mad. Like he's, he's actually hurt. He's shit. disappointed in you, cause he's not mad. Really, I'm, he's I disappointed. am disappointed. <laughs> I'm very disappointed right now. Cause had, it was like a very sad. Like, why, God? Like, why it's, would you it's do like, that? It's like when my kid, you know, when I tell him fucking ten times not <laughs> to fucking, not to fucking turn on the light switch, and he fucking turns on the light switch like. Motherfucker, I just fucking. And then you're you. so beaten like, down by wordless. that. You're done spanking them or putting them in timeout. You're just to the point where, like, where just, you I look at them. This, like, this yeah, point. I look at them and I'm almost teared <sighs> up and I'm like, why? Why do you That's do good. what I tell you not to do but constantly? I promise why? It'll be the only one. It'll be the only one. Carry on. I, I don't. Bef- I don't fucking believe you. Okay. Next up. So yeah. So what, what, let's let's push into it because there are some other controversies. There's rivalries and there's declines. But why, while we're into it, why don't we talk about? the matches that you have seen either during, you know, oh, in real yeah. time or, you know, you want, or you watch them later and you go, holy shit, that was, that was fire. Um, what are some matches? Cause that, that you really think of when you think of ECW, 
I actually saw it. Jess, you got Barely Legal at your house, right? I believe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, and that was the one with uh, Terry Funk versus Sandman and Steve Carino. And then there was a triple threat match. And then he won and then uh, beat Raven for the ECW title. Am I correct on that? I think so. There there was a weird, I, I could be wrong on that. I think that's how it happened. Because I know they played it out over like a couple different shows. Yeah, there's that. And then, of course, uh, you and I were talking about this before uh, before Dave came on with us. There's a uh, Heat Wave 98 where they did cross promotion with FMW. FMW, a fucking great. I I have uh, video VHS, VHS of them ordered online. Fucking great stuff on there, too, if you're into hardcore stuff. And sorry, I was wrong. It was actually Terry Funk, Sandman, and Stevie Richards. But the main she, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I totally forgot about Stevie Rich. That's another one, by the way. Holy crap! Great match, but uh, but on the Heat Wave, 90, uh, Heat Wave '98 with the uh, cross promotion of F- FMW, it was RVD and Sabu versus the late great Hayabusa, and Jesus. everyone knows from WWE Hakushi. Yeah, great match. Go back and watch those two matches, the triple threat match. Um, with those the ones are always there. big to me. But I was telling Cuz to, uh, I so I was watching their first ever pay-per-view and I, I didn't get that live, but I got, I saw it later somehow. I think I bought it on VHS or tape traded it. I can't remember how I got it. And um, this guy won a match on there and then started cutting a promo afterwards. And he was pissed oh. off <laughs> because he was, uh, I I'm, I'm pissed off. And, and again, it, it's been verified and he's talked about it in his documentary that Paul Heyman gave him permission. What are you mad about? Well, I'm fucking mad that you didn't think of me first when you did this pay-per-view that you didn't even put me on the card. And he's like, well, you ended up being on the card. You know, he's like, you're a substitute. Someone got injured, but you're on the card. And he was like, no, fuck, I'm mad about it. He's like, okay, well, when when you win the match, I'm going to book you to win the match. And then when you're done, I want you to cut the promo and tell everyone how pissed off you are that I didn't put you on the fucking card. And so Rob Van Dam did that. Rob Van Dam went out there and he won the match. And he's like, you know, I'm mad that I was not on this card originally. I know I ended up on it, obviously, because you're seeing me now, but I wasn't originally thought of. But you know what? I know I'm fucking talented. I know I do things around here that people, and I'm paraphrasing again, I do things that people don't have never seen before. If you don't want to pay Rob Van Dam more money to be here, I'll be worth more money somewhere else. And like that was famous. And then all of a sudden, um, I started liking this guy named Rob Van Dam. And I thought he was incredible. And um, his matches with Jerry Lynn pretty much put ECW on the map as this hype, this way that a pure wrestler like Jerry Lynn, who was also a high flyer too, but Jerry Lynn and RVD, RVD was very high spot, high spot, high spot. And some people don't like RVD for that. I understood what he was doing and I got it. And when you, when he got in there with a guy like Jerry Lynn, they, they merged together and they understood how to lay this match out where it's like, okay, how, like, I know I'm a good at mat wrestling and I'm good at aerial, but you're good at high spot wrestling. You do flips, you do shit, you do kicks and all that. Let's incorporate all that. And their matches, to me, put ECW on the map as far as like that hybrid style where you didn't have it didn't it wasn't just hardcore where it was like barbed wire and chairs and this that had its place on the card, yeah. but it was hardcore wrestling, which is different than regular mat wrestling that we've been used to, like the American ballet dancing pro style of pro wrestling, and it was a very yeah. gritty, stiff. Um, you know, RVD was getting the shit in where he'd throw the chair at you, and if someone threw a chair at your face, what would your reflexes be? You would catch it. 
to catch it. But that's fine yeah. because he's going to follow it up with, and he's going to kick it in your face. And that was this yes. amazing. I started seeing him do stuff like that. I'm like, what? The fucking how the fuck? Like, and I'm just like, this all makes sense to me. And well, uh, people still use it today, man. Th- yeah, Jerry I mean, Lynn, like, and him, th- they they tried to perfect that art. And uh, Bigelow, when he came in, talk about Cuz talking oh, yeah. about other oh, people God. that we knew from the past. Bigelow and RVD tore the fucking house down. And I remember all their matches, and it was fantastic. I remember all Bigelow Bigelow's Taz. matches with Taz. Taz was this stiff suplex guy, which I got mad at a lot because he didn't seem to care sometimes. Um, So I'm sure he was more careful than I realized he was. But but again, he looked dangerous. This is all Lesnar, right? And then let's talk about the guy who, besides the Undertaker, might have the best wrestling entrance in the history of pro wrestling. And that's the Sandman. Like, <laughs> yes, dude, the greatest. I, I, besides the Undertaker, I mean, what, who's is better? And I would say that Sandman is no. more organic, you know, like it, it was yes. fucking, he drank beer really before Austin yes. kind of did it. And yeah, he came down to enter yeah. Sandman, which we'll talk about too. What also made ECW so great was they were so small and not a lot of people watched them in the sense on a national nobody level, worried that about nobody fuck. Yeah. They would to. use actual rock songs or rap songs to, you know, so Sandman came down to enter Sandman and, and the whole fucking arena would be drinking with him. He would come through the crowd, stand up in the balcony, fucking ram beers on his head, bleed before the match yeah. even started. But Sandman is a terrible pro wrestler. Make no mistake oh, about it. He is. Super unsafe, everything about him, but his, entrance and that character is to me second only to the undertaker i, I mean it so and just, that's just, high praise but give me another entrance you, that was organic. would you say that would you say that, that sandman with talent coming to the ring versus talent in the ring is equal to the warrior just saying i mean well <laughs> the, warrior was a better pro wrestler I mean, you know, uh, yeah, the warrior yeah, had his own, he yeah, he had his own unique entrance, and it was, uh, you know, definitely unique in its own energy. But the match was basically over with Warrior when well, Sandman would Sandman would limp along 15, 20 minutes because he would get hit with yeah. fucking chairs and shit, and fucking he would really and almost true, die. And he, I don't know yeah. what kind of an art form that is, but oh well. But I mean, yeah, it's like he just. He was a terrible pro wrestler as far as pro wrestling is concerned, but he just didn't give a shit. And uh, that all made Paul Heyman's point was just like, you guys are my misfits. You're what they yeah. don't want. Just they, like Sabu. Yeah. You don't give a shit. Sabu yeah, is another one. Yeah. Sabu is another yeah. one. I know we're going off on a tangent, you know, but Dave, well, you did open no, the floor. No, no. We and, were talking about uh, famous people in matches from yeah, ECW. Just, so I, I was going to say, because uh, what about Mike Awesome and fucking uh, Masato Tanaka? Baby. God damn it. Those God damn it. Those matches. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you guys gotta I, check them out. I was gonna it, say uh, too that yeah, that promo, that RVD promo, was was actually from Barely Legal. It was after he beat Lance Storm, and uh, dang, Jess, I thought Storm. I thought you got that live right on. I thought you got that on your. I could have sworn you got it on your satellite dish because I came over, and you guys you had everyone over, and you guys were watching it. And I remember that's one of the things that stuck out in my mind was that RVD fucking promo. I got there right like in the middle of that match because like Chris Candido and uh, I forgot who else they fought in the beginning. Uh, Chris Candido. And his tagging partner fought some, I think, the Eliminators. But that RVD promo, that was from the first pay-per-view, and that was barely legal. And that's that that shit, man. That That's the same pay-per-view of the uh, uh, Terry Funk, uh, Sandman, and Steve Carino match. God, you talked about the Eliminators. Jesus, we didn't even talk the about Rey Mysterio Jr., Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho, Benoit. Lance Storm, Justin Credible. There's so much. There's so much that came through there, guys. You got some people want to consider ECW a blip on the radar. It's way no. more than that. I mean, it was if, a small, low-budget company that influenced the big 
budget fucking companies in and force America. them to change and force them yes. to look at other well to move this episode along you know let's go let's go you know to the monday night wars when the monday night wars got hot and heavy and both promotions mm-hmm. were like 97 98 style where like they were both on this level and they were punching the shit out of each other they did you yeah. know like you talk about the fucking dudley boys uh, you know, you talk about yeah, all these oh other God. guys that Paul Heyman groomed up and ECW, WCW was stealing people straight up from them. But yet WWE was like, look, let me, you know, we want the Dudley boys, right? But we're going to give you this much money. We're going to sign the Dudley boys to WWF contract, but we're going to give you money for that. You know, so there was like a, an annual income that WWF was pumping into ECW to keep it going. Because to keep it going. They were yeah. taking talent, but... Uh, you know, Vince is like, I-, I can kill you in a second. You're an insect to me, which is true. And I'm not, you know, I know we're here honoring them, but it's true when you think about how big Vince was. And and then at that point, what kind of damage WCW was doing to Vince. So you got to think about that. Vince is like, we both can kill you in a second. We could, uh, between both companies, we can buy every one of you and you would be left with nothing. Or... I could tell you to your face, I'm taking the Dudley boys. Oh, cry. But here's $100,000 a year I'm going to give you or $200,000 a year I'm going to give yeah. you. And, and now you can, can pay his young yeah. guys and groom. Now you can pay some of your other talent or keep your lights on or whatever. And so he, that's what he would. He would buck the system, but he also became a farm system of the big boys in process, especially WWF at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, well, what's, what's kind of interesting is um, I think WCW did try to squash him with Mike Awesome, right? I mean, yeah, Mike um, Awesome yeah, was so. again, you know, both companies were robbing him, but Vince at least was compensating him. So Paul Heyman, cousin, I were talking about how amazing he was to make stars out of nobody. Mike Awesome comes along and he makes Mike Awesome this next big badass motherfucker. And so they yeah. put the ECW championship on him. Well, WCW, even though WCW in 2000 was on their back, WWF was killing them. They still had a deep pocketbook. So they threw all this money at Mike Awesome to come over there. And yeah, he did. He fucking in the middle of being in ECW under ECW contract, ECW championship, you know, champion. He walks over and appears in WCW television and then pretty much tells Paul, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm leaving, you know. Which is totally fucked up, but like, yeah, I know we're jumping ahead, but we do need to wrap this up sooner than later. But yeah, like this all progressed, you know, like, unfortunately, it was this thing where Paul had to get in bed with the devil because the other devil, Eric Bischoff, was just... You know, not even fucking him in the ass. Excuse me to be graphic, yeah, and not trying, even just trying to just trying. Yeah, to kill not even not even saying it. please or thank you or lubing anything. Just, but Vince at least was <laughs> you know going. Look, I'm gonna fuck you in the ass, but I'm gonna ease in. You know, I'm gonna ease it in first, and you know we'll use lube. We'll be friendly. I'll, we'll have to, we'll talk afterwards. We'll talk about our day. You know, like at least he'll do that. At least Paul Heyman's like, well, that's not as bad. You know, like at least this devil's looking me in the eye and telling me what he's gonna do to me. Um. Whereas Bischoff's just like, I'm not stealing anything from you. Oh, by the way, four people aren't going to show up anyway. Um, and they're now WCW wrestlers. But anyway, like, you know, that's just what was happening. So, yeah, unfortunately, it did. It We're going to get, like I said, what Cuz said earlier, this will thankfully open the door to where we can start talking about some of the great matches yes. and, and characters in ECW and feuds. But, but yeah, it started happening episodes, quick from like oh, yeah. 97 on. From like 97 on, it just all started happening fast because the Monday Night Wars heated up quickly. All of a sudden, wrestling was mainstream again in the United States. And then ECW was like, holy shit, man. Like, they were too small to keep up with that growth. I think ultimately that was what the bad thing was, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, they, they they didn't have the mind share of 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 a, of a nation or world audience, right? But they were doing great things, and these big boys would see that and and take them. Some of them knowingly, some of them non knowingly. And Mike Awesome's a big part of that, according to Lance Storm. He said that Awesome was Awesome wasn't going to sign a contract until Heyman paid him an overdue wages, which probably is true because there's been several ECW wrestlers that said that they weren't paid for some time and they had a lot of issues. Uh, so, you know, they kind of come to a compromise where awesome comes back and he drops it to Taz, uh, in 2000, who was under WWE contract at the time. (laughs) It was the first, it was the first and only time ever that a WWF contracted wrestler wrestled a WCW contracted wrestler for the ECW championship. Yeah. Yeah. We know that, but he has to get the title back. So he had to file an injunction just to get the title off WCW television. And so well, they acknowledge him as champion, but they eventually got him to drop it to Taz. Oh, that's Raven. Just, that's, just, that's just Heyman. Raven. We didn't even talk about Raven. WCW right there. Oh, Raven. Yeah, that's <laughs> all fucking another, Raven. That's I'm all sorry. It just came to me. I know we're not talking there's about so, it. There's so much. Yeah. I know. There's so much. But that, that that's kind of where Dreamer it comes in. This is kind of where this is where everything kind of, you know, Comes well, to- what a bright spot almost was in 99, they get on the TNN network, which would later become Spike TV. Um, and yes. yes, for a while, Vince did leave. I love you where we know where we're going, Jess. Thank you. Yeah, so I mean, Vince, Vince knew, you know, uh, ironically, um, you know, they unfortunately TNN used ECW as a sampling. Obviously, they were going to get WCW because they were firmly with TNT and Thunder on TBS. And so they wanted to get a piece of the pie because wrestling was national and the, the, the Monday night wars were making headlines and they were setting cable records. So let me get this ECW brand, which is really the only other, I'm not saying it wouldn't have been third place anyway, but it was the only other U S brand they could get from the beginning. Unfortunately, TNN was just beating the shit out of Paul Heyman and trying to restrict him and all that. And by the way, this is when they graduated from um, the ECW arena to the Hammerstein ballroom which they would have the ECW one night stand when WWE owned them in the Hammerstein ballroom to pay tribute. Yeah. So this now it should be noted, Jess, that this was TNN's highest rated show when it came on with, despite any advertising, no budget. Yeah. And unfortunately Everybody the, the thing in. was, is the very devil that you were looking in the eye because he was kind of, Hey, I'll take your talent, but I'll give you money. Unfortunately was also making a big move you know, to leave USA because he wasn't happy with how big wrestling was getting and how big the ratings were. Vince was, oftenly approaching USA before their deal is up going, you know, when, when our deals up in a year or two years or whatever it was, you're going to pay me big fucking money. And USA is like, I'm not really like, no, we're, we're going to, we'll talk about it. We're going to stay where we are. You know, we're going to plateau. And Vince is like, no, fuck you. So he started talking to TNN when ECW was on that television. So they were just, they were brutal. ECW never stood a, a chance at that time. Um, and then ironically, they were, later, they were testing waters for WWE. Yes. 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 Doing and ironically later, uh, when, when ECW folded or whatever, they left WWF left USA and went on TNN and then TNN turned into spike TV right after that and started a whole yeah. new push with wrestling as their main thing or whatever. And then they set spike TV records and all that. And, you know, so it's like, unfortunately, even the best thing to ever happen 
to, to ECW, which was get a network to give you money to put your television on their air um, was all just yeah. kind of like a, you, you know, we're just using you for a while. Anyway. Well, and, and at the end of the day, Justin Heyman said it too, that if you have, if you have a network that's going to back you, you're, you're in pretty good shape. When he said, I couldn't find it. Basically, you know, we all know that it was canceled in October 2000 because, you know, you know, Raw's moving over. He said the inability to land another national television deal was really their, their demise because he would have needed that television money to continue to develop and pay, wrestlers on the way up and there was nobody else but the thing that's so funny about what you just said i find it fascinating that vince actually had to leave usa and eventually come back to them just to get the money that he deserves i'm not saying (laughs) i'm not trying to say vince deserves more money or oh he's not rich enough what i'm saying is like what what he produced and what he developed um and also because of wcw and the amount of fans and ratings because it's wrestling these fucking networks just just think they can do whatever the fuck they want. You know, a lot of a lot of niche it's the one products. thing. It's the one thing, Jess, where they don't look at ratings. They go, "It's wrestling. I don't care about the ratings. It's fucking wrestling, and it's horseshit." And I, I, I just, it blows me away. They think that way, and they lose a major contributor to ratings because they can't respect the product. For a lot of, for as good or bad uh, as what you want to say about Vince, good things or bad things, you know, sure. a lot of people that that you know uh, own a company that kind of is like a niche, you know, like a little corner of the market product and they end up making millions of dollars, right? A lot of them are being sure. content with being quiet. Vince never was. Vince, it's funny how he distances himself from pro wrestling. He he hates that term. Now I guess they're allowed to kind of use it more. But for they're the, to say the, the longest time it was Twitter. sports entertainment. We're entertainers. We make movies, pal. It was the whole thing. But he can lie all he wants to, but always deep down inside, he was always pissed. You will fucking respect me. With this pro wrestling yeah. product, I've made billions of dollars, and you motherfuckers will bow to me and acknowledge that I make that much money and that I influence America, the Fabricana of America. Like, oh, I, I, Hulk Hogan's a fucking national name. Stone Cold is a national name. The Rock is a megastar, a national name. You will fucking bow down and pay respect to me, especially when they were in the Monday Night Wars and they were setting records. You could say anything negative about Vince that you want, and you might be true, but there's one thing that he's always done. You will fucking respect this product because we fucking make me because you motherfucker, you, the one that's downing us, you probably buy tickets for our show, you motherfucker. And he's always been like that. Vince has. I know I saw you at my show, motherfucker. I know I comped you and your family, bitch. Like Vince has always been like that, like towards people. So for as good or bad as you want to say about Vince, he's always and and as, as much as the hardcore fans will say, fuck you, Vince, you don't respect wrestling. He does. That's not true. He does. Not, and yeah. he's always fought for it. And I still have my issues with Vince and the way he does stuff. However, sure. Um, but yeah, he's always been like, you know, it's sports entertainment. But you motherfuckers are going to acknowledge that pro wrestling is beating your ass or is is hey, hey, sucking in millions. Hey, hey, cuz. What's up, bud? Did, did you did you feel the scene of Casino? Coming in where De Niro's just yelling at everybody in, <laughs> in the fucking courtroom right there. At least acknowledge you went to the dinner. Yeah. At least, just, at, at least, least give, give me that. that. At least give me that. <laughs> at least give me that. I mean, the, the parallel. And then are, the guy real quick was like, the guy real quick fucking was like, wise guys trying to yeah. run casinos in Vegas and they don't get any respect. And then the guy really quick was like, yes, wise guys. yes, I was at your hotel. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. Like when he goes, <laughs> <laughs> at least you give me that. Uh, 
At oh, least man. give me. Yeah, that. I don't know how I ended yeah. up defending Vince Good on the stuff. ECW show, but I mean, like, it all stemmed in from it. It all stemmed from it. You know, unfortunately, ECW oh. fell victim. And Paul Heyman's right. You know, a lot, a lot of people were like, "Oh, he was bouncing checks." But listen, for a year and a half, he was on a network that was actually paying him money. When you get on a network, right, that is going to pay you money to air your program on there, you change your business your business model. So you start you start depending on that income, right? So it's like Vince is yeah. giving him a little bit of money, but TNN now is giving him substantial money to be on there. And then, but on his, uh, their whole plan though was like, you're my stepchild. You're not going to stay here longer. So then they cut the cord on him. And yeah, he fell further down than even when he was, when he was struggling to get to TNN, you know, it's like, and it sucks. So yes, that's when a lot of people that final year from like 2000, when they got canceled all the way up until, you know, March of 2001, when they officially folded, um, he was bouncing yeah. checks and he was not paying people. And, uh, and he he was probably doing that before then, but at the but it was the worst the last year because TNN just yanked the rug out from under them, and he well, was just like, "Fuck, like I'm done." Look at look at these look at these numbers, right? The company was listed having assets totaling 1.3, well, 1.4 million. We'll just round up, right? Um, 860 thousand in accounts receivable owed the company in demand by you know network pay per views, video games, other items. Um, <laughs> The balance of the assets were a videotape library of 500000 a 1998 Ford truck of 19500 for some reason, and the remaining inventory of merchandise was $4. <laughs> this, is, this is fantastic stuff. I mean, the we thought that, I mean. The liabilities he that bought, they owed were $8,881,000. The wrestlers and talent that were listed, the amounts owed ranging from $2 for Sabu. Sabu was only owed 2 bucks apparently. Let me say um, on a simple uh, level right now. He was uh-huh. definitely uh, robbing Peter to pay Paul <laughs> like, oh, for years no up till then. So uh, Steve Carino, <laughs> hundreds, in some cases, thousands of dollars. The highest amounts owed were talents to Rob Van Dam, 150000 Shane Douglas was owed 145000 Tommy Dreamer was owed hundred grand. Joey Styles just over fifty. Rhino was 50000 um, some others were just underneath that. So, and those assets were purchased by WWE, obviously, to go into the massive library that we all pay for. And you bitches that want honestly, to pay and drop and get it free every month, fuck you, because you're assholes. Honestly, the so, ECW fucking library alone is worth ten bucks a month. Just saying. Could you? Could you? <laughs> it is. <laughs> I, I agree. It's it's Rob it's just like so Damn. obvious because like to say it, but people don't realize it. Like just keep pay your ten dollars, you cheap. Yeah. Can I just say just alone? Forget WCW and forget ECW. Just every pay per view they've ever done is how is yes. that not worth ten bucks alone? I'm telling. I'm telling you, it's I, worth I, the price. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to pull off Vince a little bit here, but I got to pull him off a little bit because it's a fantastic library between those three brands and stuff that's even in between there. It's, there's so much stuff, so much content that you can just go back and watch anytime. And ECW is all in there because well, they bought it. It's for everyone so that wants fantastic. to chant dope and act like they're a fan at like you know Raw or SmackDown or whatever. You don't know. I don't know. I did. I wasn't a part of it. I admitted that I wasn't part of the big meat of it. Exactly. You know? like, all I'm trying to all no, we're trying to you do is guys, give it its due. You right? guys eventually did, and you pre- like. Uh, I bet a lot of the people that chant it now they just do it because. They kind of know who Paul Heyman is, and they kind of know that he was. Get on, don't get on. But the style. I'm talking about that now. D- before we can end it, before, before we get <laughs> yeah, crazy here, yeah. like before we sure, end sure, it. Sure. But I mean, like, think about 
you talk about like you know uh, uh you know Get Vince emotional. created the hell in the cell WWF created hell in the cell right and hell in the cell is used over and over again now uh you know this and Vince created a camera shot when he had XFL and so the NFL bought that camera shot or that camera technology or whatever think yeah. about like the organic stuff that ECW planted and still lives to this day the three letter chance I was actually thinking about AEW the camera when you said AEW that when you know that's all ECW ECW that's all NXT, that A-dub, uh, ROH, anything all anything effing whatever is ECF and W, um, anything like that. Uh, you, you fucked up ECW. That was all ECW. Yeah. The first yep. fucked up chance where you fucked up chance were ECW. ECW. Like yep. it was, it, everything was like you sold out ECW, like all of it, all of it, oh like my gosh, yeah. all of it, all of these organic nuggets that we were left with. That is all from him that people still do in 2019. It's kind of amazing. Like how, brightly they burned and then quickly i mean quickly they got snuffed out because they were in between two giants that were defining an industry again you know the for the first time since the rock and era era like it's crazy to me that like this third third place company that was a distant third had so much influence on the culture of wrestling fans the way they chant the way they chant think about that the way they chant how fucking well, nuts is that? NXT That's crazy. I, think it's like, I don't. I, I know a lot of people probably make this correlation that are really diehard wrestling fans or wrestling observers, historians, whatever. But you don't have a Monday Night War like we had without the talent and the legacy of ECW. There's no way true. that they, well, they influence them too. They they get almost no credit, right? But they are a huge influence, as as because you're saying, right? To what talent they brought to it and allowing wrestlers to come back and watch something edgy. And then the war started. They were right at the cusp of that, but it was a small market, but it got, it turned the heads of those major corporations. So take out like shit. We got to do something else, right? Take, I mean, I don't, I'm going to go on a ledge here. I don't know what do the it. NWO would have been. If the Without ECW wasn't such a reality based promotion, that they were able to steal edgy stuff from. Now, I know Bischoff got the idea from a, a, a Japan angle. He took like certain aspects of Japan angle, like an invasion angle, but the, the real names, the grittiness, the black yeah, the and reality. white, the reality based yeah. shit. I don't know if you don't get that inspiration. If ECW wasn't around, like they did influence them. They did. And whether Bischoff wants to admit it or not, they did. And it was just, it, well, we don't do hardcore wrestling. He did so much more than hardcore Paul Heyman did. He did an yeah. atmosphere. He taught a wrestling audience how to chant. Like, basically, don't get me wrong. They created it. I know Paul Heyman will be the first to say they did it, the audience, and we just nurtured the Paul flame. Paul Heyman was, is yeah. the last pioneer of great problems like, that were, from, that were I, organic and If from the ECW heart. wasn't a thing, Dave just said the key word. They were right on the cusp. They were there smoldering before the wars really took off. Like, That's right. what would both of companies have been? In the Monday Night Wars, meaning WWF and WCW, they they were ripping off ECW constantly. Russo was known for loving ECW style of product. And Russo was known for going to management going, well, I want the Dudleys and I want this person and I want that person. They're that good. And like, so, I mean, they influenced whether people want to admit it or not. Like ECW was copied by both promotions, whether both promotions becoming making a hardcore title or 
like just them stealing the talent or whatever, like or a style of match. And then they call a hardcore rules match or whatever they want to call it. That was ECW. ECW never called any of their matches. The following contest is a hardcore match. They never did that. It was just Sandman's fighting whatever. And oh, look, there's fucking tables and barbed wires and fire. Like there was not. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't a they never called their matches hardcore matches ever. No, like ever. It was so just that way. It was just implied that yeah. it was OK. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at, at the if end of the day, to. guys, you know, when you're, I mean, think about this. I know this is a really drastic comparison, but um, do you guys know how World War One actually started? Paul Heyman. Did, oh no, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, exactly. <laughs> no, I'll tell you. Here, here's the thing about World War One. Everybody wants to say that Germany is the major catalyst of it. They're, they're, they're to blame. They're the issue, right, for both world wars. But you know, there was an assassination of an Archduke Franz Ferdinand. For fucking Austria-Hungary in 1914, and that was the catalyst for the Ottoman Empires and everybody else in Germany to become central powers and declare war on the rest of the world. It was fucking one prince in one small country that started it, and nobody realizes that. And I think ECW is the closest comparison to something like that. They they didn't they didn't have the viewership. I get that they didn't have that, but they were the catalyst. To make these big guys go, oh fuck, we got to change what we're doing. They've got something here. Let's see what we can do with it. And not only they did that with storyline, they did that with reality base. They did that when they pulled talent. I, I I don't think people understand how important ECW was to the catalyzation of the Monday Night Wars. That is huge, and I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody can really argue it in hindsight. There's no way you. Well, can if see you're that. fans you like us, you notice that. Like I said earlier. Small sure. budget company, small fucking production company, influenced, big budget, big production, pro wrestling Two companies. major giants. And can, yeah, can Dave, right after, I, I, I'm going to have to insist I steal the last word here, and then you can end it. You can I just say yeah. that, uh, no. No. you know, there's a lot of other wrestling podcasts out here that fans do. You know, you have, I mean, I mean, God, it's got to be hundreds and hundreds of thousands. What other fucking podcast do you get a world history lesson on top of that? That Dave just so beautifully laid out, by the way, in comparison of ECW to the rest of it, comparing it to World War One and what the catalyst was. That's right here at our wrestling podcast. So you dumb fucks out there, start listening. Jeez. Start <laughs> listening, my friends. Start listening and fucking yeah. join the revolution like ECW was back in the day. Fucking get on the OWP like bandwagon man. because, Jesus, where else are you going to get wrestling merging with world history? Fuck. Go ahead, uh. Dave. I don't know. I'm telling you. As always, you can reach us via Instagram at OWP2019, SoundCloud at Our Wrestling Podcast, YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel, or do the easy thing. Download WrestlePost. It's an app at no charge to you. And join us along with other great podcasts of the day. This is Dave, Jess, and Cuz. We are signing off on the OWP. Have a good one. Hold Hogan, brother. Now, in an industry where everybody wants to be real and everybody wants to do a shoot, this, my friends, is a shoot. We hate this stinking network. We hate their guts for abandoning us. We hate their guts for not supporting us. We hate their guts for not advertising us. And we hate their guts for not having the balls to throw us off the air. And just in case you're watching this, hey, network, I dare you to throw me off the air. Because I'm going to break every rule that you put in front of me until you throw me the hell off the air. Now this, my friends, is a shoot. <laughs>